Good evening, everybody, and welcome to episode 449 of the Chairshot Podcast. Uh, I'm your host, Joe Townieboy Towner. Uh, with me, my good friend, Paul Griffin. Hello, Paul. Hello, Joe. Great to have you here, as always. Thank you. Um, Barry not joining us this week, because uh, if you follow him on Twitter or, or Instagram, you may have noticed that he's currently in Germany at the big uh, WXW weekend. Um, so no doubt we'll get a full report of that next week for our 450th uh, spectacular episode. Mm. Um, but th- this week is just the two of us, and it's been quite a monumental week. I'm sure you'll agree, Paul, in the world of wrestling. Yeah, typical Barry would miss it, to be honest. That's kind of his yeah. MO lately. Dereliction of duty. Yeah. Um, but we're here, we're here, we're ready to discuss uh, the, big, the big shows of the week. The debut of AEW Dynamite, mm-hmm. uh, the first episode of SmackDown on Fox, mm-hmm. uh, and of course the latest episode of uh, NXT. The first um, full one what on USA and not half on the network. Yeah, yeah, yeah. the first proper one. Um, so we'll get to that at the end of the show, as usual. Um, but before... That's coming, don't worry. Don't That's the main event. You've got that already. You, you, we're talking about Triple H, that is the main event. <laughs> Um, <laughs> before we get to the main event, we do, of course, have the much-beloved pre-show. I feel this is a lot like old-school old WCW, where uh, the pre-show was fantastic. You know, the mid-card was great, and then you got to the main event, and things kind of fell apart a bit, where we have to talk about wrestling. But mm. um, it's pretty good weeks, hopefully. You know, this will be a good show. Yeah. Um, so, Paul, life guff. Yes. What have you been up to these last two weeks? Oh... I don't remember, to be honest. Yeah, me neither. Uh, I can tell you the last few days. Go on. As a, uh, I don't know. In terms of what I did last week, it's gone. It's lost, it's gone. lost. to the annals of history. Uh, but this week, I went for a jog, Joe. You joking? I, I wish I was. How far? Not very far, Joe, and not very fast. <laughs> um. <laughs> Okay, so, spoiler, spoiler warning for anyone who's going down the same path as me, uh, eating a load of shite and doing zero exercise make you all fat in that, apparently. So I wish yes. someone had told me that before. Um, so, I I had in, in my uh, Facebook, and now I don't use Facebook much, but I, for some reason, happened across the homepage, and it was mm. a memory of... Do you remember, Joe, that time a bunch of us got the Nike running app and yep. all started jogging? I do remember it well. So yep. I've, I've re-downloaded that anyway, just to use again. But anyway, little memory of me posting a status to my Facebook wall. Oh, your legs are sore after doing a 15-kilometer run. And that gave 15. me... 15? 15-kilometer. That gave me a little bit of inspiration. And got me thinking, yeah, maybe I'll take up the old jogging again. Yeah. I, do, I do enjoy it. And I think I've tried to take the jogging up again since I really got into it. But as you know, uh, you really have to get over that initial hill, no pun yeah. intended. Yeah. Like, it'll, it'll take me probably 10 jogs oh. until I'm back into the swing of even doing like five, little 5K runs. So I only did this first time uh, two and a half kilometers, so a mile, 
give or take. Uh, and it took me 15 and a half minutes. 15 and a half minutes to jog a mile. Yeah. Right. So not How long would it take you to walk? Uh, probably 29 minutes. 29 minutes. Give or take, yeah. Okay. Is this all in one direction, or are you sort of... Uh, well, I... Meandering slightly. It's pretty, pretty straightforward, yeah. Pretty straight line, yeah. Down the road. Uh, so I, I did stop. I did, I did half a kilometer, and then I stopped to do some stretches. Obviously not a, I'm not a Mark Joe, I know how... The old jogging goes. You don't, uh, so you don't stretch when you're cold, and you don't don't stretch at all. You have to do a little bit of a stretch. Yeah. So I ran a wee bit at a leisurely pace, stretched, and then ran the rest of it at also a leisurely pace. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I walked back. So I, I I jogged two and a half kilometers in one direction, and then my little warm down was just walking two and a half kilometers back. back in the other mm-hmm. direction. Mm-hmm. It's uh, a start. It's a start. That's the thing. Like, I what my plan is now. You, as a person who not a fatty, can inform me here. Wow. My plan is initially is just concentrate on that two and a half kilometers and get that down to about thirteen minutes, fourteen minutes. Yeah, and then start building up the distance. Yeah. Um, now this was on Friday that I went for the jog. And then, of course, because it was my first time using some of these muscles in a decade, uh, <laughs> legs are all in bits now. Yeah. Very painful legs. And my plan initially was to jog today. Um, but the legs were still a little bit sore. And I said, you know, and this honestly was not the fatty going, take another day off and never jog again. <laughs> <laughs> it was, my legs were still a little bit sore. And I said, okay, since I'm just starting off, I don't want to push myself and injure myself mm. after two jogs and be out for a week or something you know i said okay i'm gonna listen to the old body listen to the legs i'll go tomorrow and i'm easy mis- uh, t- dipping my toe in the pool you know yeah yeah yeah. the best athletes know when to not push themselves <laughs> also <laughs> the like worst athletes. Uh, yes and, and a lot of the shit ones as well um <laughs> uh, <laughs> That's good because I'll be honest. I've not done uh, a jot of exercise since about April. Right. Um, I do walk kind of about mile and a half to work. Yeah. Every day from the train station to my office. That's like my the only way I get my steps in is by um, doing that kind of mile and a half each way. Well, I do, I do that as well. I don't do it each way. I do it one way because it's too early in the morning to go for a walk and to be sleeping then. But on the way sure. back, I'll get off the train like two stops early. Right. And get a, you know, 35-minute walk-in. Um, but, yeah, I, I just felt like I needed to be doing more than walking. Yeah, definitely. Do you know what I mean? It's when um, I go up a gradual incline and get out of breath. Yeah. I start to worry. Mm. I think, hmm, hmm, not a good sign. Um, so, yeah, I'll be looking to resume... Uh, some some sort of aerobic activity uh, relatively soon. Yeah. Um, you you're apparently joining us from a new room this week, Paul. Yeah, we moved room in the house uh, because somebody moved out. Okay. And the route they they left behind them a much bigger room. Uh, so we snafu'd that one right up. Um. So we are. 
currently our bedroom is what is supposed to be a living room but is used as a bedroom so it's oh, a nice okay. spacious room it's big then yeah it's quite big it's it's very nice but it's a new room and with that comes i don't know is the internet better here or is it worse yeah. here is figure it out. the show gonna work uh, here's the crazy thing right i would say the room is probably somewhere in the range now i'm not great with distances but i would say something in the range of three to four meters by three to four meters like it's probably a good 20 square meters like it's it's a, it's a nice big room <laughs> there's one plug socket in the room <laughs> Uh, only one and that's crazy given that it's supposed to be a living room like what do you do put the TV in and just no lamps or anything else you know the, these houses that were built I assume it's not a kind of brand new house no these houses were built a while ago before they had sort of tellies and yeah. you know uh, games and stuff all they had to plug in was probably a radio or a lamp so yeah you didn't need a lot yeah so in typical super dangerous fashion into that one little plug, we have a one of those cubes that has multiple. Oh, God. Yeah. And plugged into them are these kind of, you know, bars that have four plug. Oh, God. Yeah, it's, it, yeah, it's a fire waiting to happen. And then into the four, you've got what one that's. Uh, All me shit charging. 12. <laughs> you've got, he's got a 12 extension plugged into the four. <laughs> In each of the fours, there's a 12. <laughs> Therefore, 48 times two, 96 outlets. <laughs> And I've just got phones here. I don't even know whose phones they are. They're not even my phone. <laughs> Joe, if I have 48 plugs, I'm going to fucking use them. Let me tell you that oh, much. You might as well. I'll just plug a hairdryer in and leave it running. Yeah. Well, I have two plugs on my side. Okay, so actually, let me do the maths on this. So we have a plug in the wall, or a socket in the wall. We have a cube into that, which has like probably two or three sockets. Plugged into that, I have a little bar which has only two sockets and mm. plugged into that is another cube <laughs> well it's not a cube it's a it's a usb charging device it plugged into that is my phone and my ipad oh it's a disaster lad uh, but not my house so if it burns down i don't care baby Ooh, just move on baby not just a problem get the guinea pigs in my pocket and out the door out the window um, nice. so that's basically what I've been up to the The move was uh, done over the course of like just a couple of hours oh yeah um, and that was a little bit of exercise in itself but what have you been up to well I can't remember the last either, two really. weeks um, so this weekend not a whole lot Michelle and I went up to London's Oxford Street mm. yesterday uh, I remember Oxford Street yeah, it's fucking horrible. Um, I mean, it's fine, but it's Saturday afternoon. Ooh, boy, you not want to be there. Um, yeah, she had to return some shoes, so we achieved that. And then we had to go to the Adidas shop to try on some other ones. Thankfully, she found some that fit her well. Unfortunately, they didn't have the style she wanted in that size, but we've ordered them online. So that's all taken care of. The shoes are sorted um so that was fine last weekend i can't remember what we did 
Um, we did go out on the Saturday after basically sitting on the sofa until about eight o'clock. Mm. Um, barely moved all day. Um, but a friend of mine was having birthday drinks and they were literally 10 minutes down the road. So I thought if we didn't go, it looks pretty bad, doesn't it? Mm. Um, you kind of got to go. So we just went for, for one. Um, had a bit of a dance. They were, it's an LGBT friendly pub. Um, so there were lots of uh, as opposed to those pubs where they just hate the gays you know the typical pubs where um, that sort of thing is frowned upon you can't turn up in drag full of like what Ross Kemp types full of of, yeah Phil Mitchell Staten and just yeah baldy blokes with Ben Shermans on oh no wait that that is the gay club we're thinking of yeah Brexit and all that you know (laughs) Um, so that was fun. That yeah. was fun. Uh, yeah, and that's been about it, really. Um, other than that, just work mm. and other bits and pieces. Work in it. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Work. See, Barry, we got loads of jobs. You only have one job, and you flew it off to fucking Germany every week. I've got loads of jobs, mate. Yeah, you know, it's got one job. Exactly. Um, so speaking of um, jobs. Uh, have you had time to watch any telly this week, Paul? I know you're a busy man. I know you've got lots of going on. I have. I did watch always some, working, I watched always some telly. Always working. I watched some telly in between the work. Yeah, the jobs. Um, yeah. That new job, by the way. Ooh, loving it. Oh, that's good. It's great. And I finished at four, so I'm home at five. Loads of time for telly. Uh, but I've only watched a little bit of telly, Joe. I watched the um, first two episodes of the new season of South Park. Oh, yeah. Oh. Someone's beeping the horn. Don't like the South Park. It's me. Um, yeah, those first two episodes of South Park this year uh, were really bad. What, what season are you uh, Season 20? 23, I believe. 23? That's too long, isn't it? Yeah. Well, South Park's had a weird trajectory where, unlike other cartoons like Simpsons, Family Guy, which were kind of once good and then became just unbearably bad, uh, South Park's done kind of a you know, was good, became bad, then got good again. Yeah, mm. uh, but these first two episodes are, are really not been good. Sure. Um, one thing that they're they're leaning very heavily into this this season is like not not necessarily stoner comedy because I, I you know quite enjoy stoner comedy, but mm. comedy about being stoned, but not uh. in the sense of being not. It's kind of hard to describe. It's like comedy about like weed itself and oh. it's just every little plot they do and every little thing is just a dud after dud after dud i'm like oh my god how and i feel like they've kind of dug themselves too deep into this hole that this is what this season's going to be about and they're kind of stuck with it now but i just mm. these two episodes have just been interminable and not funny oh the worst uh, it's a shame because I think the last few seasons, maybe last last season was maybe a little bit of a step down, but I think the last few years of South Park have been really quite solid. Um, but yeah, just these just these last two episodes were really really poor. Like the first episode was about, I mean, about that Randy, uh, you know, from last season is the owner of this weed farm. Mm. Which is like the main crux of the series. And he um he's moved uh, his whole family out to this farm 
and the subplot of the episode involved uh, Cartman and Kyle getting like you know locked up in one of these detention centers they have for you know families being deported etc mm. and of course the the direction they went in was you know well, well Kyle's a Jew and this is similar to the concentration camps during the second world war and that was kind of you know, as deep as it went and it just didn't strike me as particularly um, first of all not very funny obviously but not yeah. not like a, a, a dangerously scorching hot take or like a, a, a clever sideways look it was just that's really what all you got is this is a bit like the Jews um, so yeah a, a really poor first two episodes really disappointing first two episodes because I was very much looking forward to South Park coming back mm. um, but yeah really not enjoying it at all that's a shame yeah what about yourself Joe what have you been watching um, there are various things only a couple of sort of things I wanted to, to mention so um, series three of Big Mouth um, dropped on Netflix yeah. this week. Mm. Um, for, for those that don't know, Big Mouth is a animated series about um, a whole group of sort of like preteens um, kind of going through puberty. Mm-hmm. And in the show, their their kind of puberty or their their hormones are represented um, or kind of manifested as these sort of creatures that urge them on to do the sort of disgusting things that teenagers often do because they're so uh, confused and turned upside down by all these hormones. Um, so it's a very kind of sexually graphic show. Mm. Um, lots of uh, penises and vaginas um, and lots of jizz, if you like that sort of thing. Mm. Um, so it's very, very kind of rude, but it is, it is, it is quite funny. Um, and the characters are quite kind of endearing as well. They do actually sort of um, do a lot of character development um, and a lot of kind of plots as well and relationships. So it's, it's, it's a sweet show and funny, um, but not for the easily offended, I would say. Mm. So um, like South Park, but good. Like South Park, but, but still good. Mm, okay. Um I don't know. Have you you seen the show, Paul? I've not had a chance to watch any Big Mouth. I've heard, oh, heard about you your, your, you from yourself it. and Barry. That's very good, obviously. Yeah, it's very good, and this this series was um, pretty good one as well. We actually watched the whole thing in in one go. Oh, um, Michelle wouldn't let me turn it off. So, did you see that um, the second season of Disenchantment is either out yeah. or imminently coming out? Yeah, I didn't watch the first one. Oh, you never watched it? Oh, okay. No. Um, I don't know. Maybe you've let it go, but I'm not really... It's a very a very offense. average uh, yeah. <laughs> series, I think. Yeah, not sure it's, not sure it's worth the investment. Yeah. Um, but Big Mouth, Series 3, really good. Uh, would recommend it to anyone that likes that type of slightly uh, risque comedy. It really kind of pushes the envelopes. And if you like seeing cartoon teenage dicks, fill your boots. Um, so that was good. Another series we watched today was a new BBC drama called The Capture. Mm-hmm. Um, so this has been running for a few weeks, but we, we burned through uh, first five episodes today. Um, it's about a soldier who gets filmed... Um, attacking a woman and then the woman kind of disappears 
Um, but he maintains that he didn't actually do it and that the CCTV footage has been doctored. Mm. Um, and then we kind of delve into this world of, uh, you know, deep fakes and, and uh, fake video footage and all the CCTV cameras you get around London and this kind of thing is very, very interesting, kind of reminiscent of uh, the Bodyguard series they did mm. uh, with Richard Madden uh, several months ago. Um, you know, slightly over the top, in, in points, kind of a sort of conspiracy drama thriller. Um, but also quite enjoyable. Um, so I would recommend that. Very good performances. Um, very, very good production. Anyone As, notable in it? Um, there's a few kind of notable sort of British TV actors and actresses. No one's sort of massively famous. Okay. Um, at one point, though, I don't really want to spoil it. But someone, a very famous American actor, turns up. Right. Um, someone uh, who might have played Hellboy at one point. Oh, I was going to say, is it The Rock? And do I have to watch it? <laughs> it's not. No, it's not. Not that big. Right. But um, yeah, it is. It's a good show. I'd recommend it. Definitely give, recommend it. Looking forward to um, next episode. Not sure if it's the final one, but it's, it's on Tuesday night, so I'm going to give that a watch. Cool. Um, so that's all the TV I've watched this week. Paul, do you have any games you want to talk well, about? Well, I actually watched a little bit, another, sorry, a TV oh, yeah. that I forgot about before we move on to the games. Um, it's uh, like, since this is Halloween coming up, right? Yeah. But watching this horror series. Ooh. Um, really, really scary stuff. Really. Oh. Maybe maybe shake shook me to my core. Shiver. Uh, it's called the footy. Um, oh. mm. <laughs> <laughs> uh, yeah, bad couple of weeks, eh? Yeah, I haven't watched any of the games. Oh, you haven't watched any? No, since, since that last Europa League. Not the the nil nil, but the one the Astana one. Yeah, we oh we won one nil. That was yeah. the last one I watched. Since then, I just can't face. Joe, I've watched every game. The mediocrity. Uh, well, I watched I watched every game uh, during the last nil, the second Europa League game. Um, I wanted to do something more enjoyable, so I just went to the shops, knowing that it would end nil all, which it did. Mm. Yeah, that's um, hmm. um in happier football news I got uh, the new Pro Evolution Soccer game Ooh. for the PlayStation uh Pez twenty twenty or to give it its actual new full title, right? And I kid you not. Mm. It used to be called Pro Evolution Soccer. Mm. Now it's called E Football Pez twenty twenty. It's not. That is what it's called. E-Football PES 2020. And even PES, P-E-S, uh, it's not written on the thing Pro Evolution. It's just called PES now. E-Football PES 2020. Um, so I got FIFA last year. I think that's the only FIFA that I've got in five years or so. Um, I'm more of a PES fan than a FIFA fan anyway. But I wanted to change it up just for one year because... Pez's Master League mode got very repetitive and samey. So I just wanted to kind of play a different version of that, like, single-player mm. career mode thing. 
but now back on Pez, um, ironically played uh, Man United against Newcastle today. Uh, beat them 2-1. Wish the real team could do that. Um, quite enjoyable. Of course, the best thing about the PlayStation 4 version of Pro Evolution Soccer is, although it lacks a lot of the licensed teams and jerseys and mm. badges, etc., you can put them in the game with a little USB stick. And the whole process took me no longer than about 20 minutes. And I have a fully licensed roster of teams and players and everything. Nice. Um, and yeah. So I'm just kind of getting used, used to playing it again now because I got kind of used to FIFA's tempo and controls. And now I have to get used again to, 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 to Pez. But I'm really quite enjoying that. And I've continued playing Zelda Link's Awakening on the Nintendo Switch. I'd say I'm probably over halfway through with it at this stage. Mm. Um, of the eight dungeons, I think I've done five. I'm on the sixth one, so I'm probably coming up to about the three-quarter mark. Um, really enjoying that. Really fun game. Um, very simple. Not, not a very difficult game. Um, at times a little bit obtuse, but not too much so. Some of the puzzles are a little bit like not necessarily logical as is the case with Zelda a lot of the time so a lot of time you'll get like I don't know uh, a bow and arrow in a dungeon and then in order to unlock the door there'll be like an eye on a wall you have to shoot with the bow and it's all that kind of okay well I have this item that allow me to progress but then in this game and to be fair linked to the past on the Super Nintendo some of the puzzles are a little bit more like there's 20 blocks in a room push one of them left and it's like well how would i ever <laughs> nothing in the game teaches me or informs me that that's something i should do so some of the puzzles just have a, a randomness to them that can be kind of frustrating if you don't literally try everything that's possible in the game you know and mm. um, it's not like there's a pattern and one of them's out of place oh i better move that into the, like match the pattern no it's literally just push that random one up um but thankfully, that's not too much of the game. It, it is, for the most part, a very well-designed game. Um, graphically, is great. Um, lately, I've experienced less of the slowdown or the lag that kind of uh, affected the frame rate in my early hours playing. I don't know why that is. I don't think they've released the patch, but I haven't noticed it as much. Maybe it's just that I got more and more into the game. But um, yeah, enjoying those two games a lot. Haven't played any Goose game since we last spoke. Too much uh, Zelda. Oh, yeah, that's a shame. Pro it's, Evil a game that's, it's a game that's taking the internet by storm. I know, I know, I know. Well, I want to get Zelda finished because uh, there's a game coming out at the end of this month called The Outer Worlds, okay. which I'm very interested to play, which is kind of like a Fallout-style game, but not made by the people who make Fallout because... Bethesda are known for their games being very buggy and of kind of lately of being of low quality. Um, but The Outer Worlds is a game that's for all intents and purposes a Fallout game in all, you know, in all but name, but is made by a company called Obsidian who made uh, one of the Fallout games, Fallout New Vegas, licensed you know, or published by Bethesda. And they made South Park The Stick of Truth, which is the best of the South Park games. So it's like a Fallout game 
made by a better company than the company who actually makes the Fallout games. So I'm on board with that, and I'm waiting for that to come out. But i got to finish Zelda first. Oh, and I was playing Assassin's Creed, right? Let me tell you this. Let me tell you why Assassin's Creed has almost single-handedly killed my enthusiasm to keep playing Assassin's Creed, right? Go on. So, this is, again, a little complaint about game design. So, Assassin's Creed has a map screen, and when you clear out an enemy camp or uh, a location, that you, 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 know, you complete all the objectives of that location, the map will kind of display that location as a kind of faded out transparent icon right and the, the the places you haven't yet defeated will be shown in full color let's say yeah. so it makes it more difficult to see on the map the places that you've already conquered which is kind of the point because you, you you only are interested in the place you've you've not been sure sure uh i got to a point in the assassin's creed dlc where having already completed all the locations on the map, it's sending me back out to like essentially kill enemies, but not kill them, just knock them out, and then use a kind of uh, a power in the game called uh, liberate, which kind of means to get mm. them on your side to your army. The problem is to go find these people, you have to go back to these locations you're, you've already done, which first of all I don't want to do. I already beat those locations. Not only that, I can't see on the fucking map where I need to go because the map, they're all grayed out. <laughs> and it's like the, the, the method of liberating people is such a pain in the hole, right? So what you have to do is and imagine this is like a fun game to play. You have to go to your inventory screen, put away your sword, put away your secondary like axe or whatever. So you're, you're just unarmed now, and you have to knock out an enemy, right? The only way to knock them out is fight them without a weapon, because if you use your sword, you just kill them. You can't liberate them then. You have to knock them out, and then, uh, you know, there's like a button prompt. Press that button to liberate them. Uh, what happens if you get attacked by like 50 people you're trying to do that? Uh, well, I guess you just have to take your weapons out and kill everyone, otherwise you're going to get killed. What happens if a bear attacks you when you're trying to do it? Well, you better, you better fucking take your weapon out, you're going to get killed. Um, so it's like, a process that's quite annoying to do and the game's like okay at this point of the quest or whatever uh do that 24 times i was like eh, no turn it off <laughs> oh god i wouldn't be bothering my ass doing that thank you very much assassin's creed which i've already played for 150 fucking hours no thanks oh so i might just tap out on that um like I, i've already got so much out of that game that like, I don't have the compulsion to grind anymore. I've already done it, like, and now that's thrown up at me. Do this pointless thing that doesn't serve the story any real purpose. It's just annoying. Do that, and it'll probably take you two hours to do it. No, I can't be bothered. Sorry, whoever the fuck makes Assassin's Creed, Ubisoft. Anyway. So that's what I've been playing, Jill. The games of the week. Now, oh. I haven't watched any movies uh, in two oh. weeks, if you can believe that. You've not watched any two... You've had two... Two weeks. ...weeks to watch movie and television, and you've come up with two episodes of South Park. Yeah. Paul, you say you're having a go at Barry, and yet, there we go. Yeah, but I did a jog, though. Oh, you do have six jobs. He's got one job, so... Yeah, 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 yeah. 
So, was there anything else to add to that? You just I watch any movies, but have you? I've watched. I've probably watched a few, but I just cannot remember most of them. This is this is great radio, isn't it? This is a great podcast. <laughs> can't remember now we can't remember anything that we've done. Well, well, let me just say it is Halloween but again. What would Doctor Fox make of this? Uh, well, he just wants to be entertained. Obviously, it was. He just wasn't entertaining. That's no. <laughs> I was thinking Paul Griffin and Joe Tanner. Yeah, brilliant. This is going to be really funny. <laughs> It's just not good. Um, it is Halloween. So we have earmarked a couple of Halloween-themed movies to watch in October. So I will have some watched. Um, and as, as I said to Joe off the air, the reason why I've not watched the movies is not because um, I haven't been bothered, which partially it is. Um, but I've been watching a lot of Red Letter Media videos because I fell really far. Like, I used to watch... Every time one came out, I'd watch it immediately. Bang, bang, yeah. bang, bang. Um, I made a playlist on YouTube and went through all their videos, let's say, the last year or so, since I kind of fell out of watching them. I had, like, 19 videos to watch. <laughs> okay, is that including Best of the Best Worst? Best of the Worst. So half in the Bags. Review. Review. Okay. All of it. The only ones I kind of watch when they come out are half in half in the bag. Yeah, uh, I don't tend to watch the. Um, well, a review uh, is half of the bag of an older movie. <laughs> oh, oh, you've done me there. <laughs> um, no, I know it, it is, but I tend to just uh, I kind of watch those when I I need something to watch rather than sure watch them when they drop. And same for best of the worst. I, I don't often watch those to be honest. I've probably not watched last or ten or yeah. whatever. Again, if I need something to watch and I run through them all, they're pretty good. I do enjoy them, but because they're quite long, I find it difficult to just sit and watch one. Whereas half in the bag is usually, what, half an hour, 40 minutes? Yeah, yeah, they're usually quite good. Um, so I, what I did was I downloaded those all off YouTube and put them on my tablet. So on the train back from work, when I would normally be watching movies, I've been watching them. That's why. Um, but we have... Uh, earmarked to watch over Halloween. It Chapter 2. It Comes at Night. Hereditary. Midsommar. I forgot what the fifth one was. Did we have a fifth one? Hmm, I'm getting a... I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> um... I will find something else to watch. Spooky movie. Spooky. Of some kind. Yeah. Uh, but tell me about the movie, what you watched, Joe. So we watched a documentary mm. uh, called American Factory. Um, it follows um, the opening of a, like a, a windscreen factory. So a factory that makes various glass components for cars. Okay. Um, it's opening in. It was. I think it was in Dayton, Ohio. Uh, and the factory is being opened by uh, this giant kind of Chinese manufacturer. Mm-hmm. And it's it's kind of notable because I guess that it's sort of bringing uh, sort of manufacturing jobs back to what they might call the Rust Belt, the kind of Midwest of America, where mm-hmm. you know, so many factories have closed down um, over the past couple of decades. Um, so they made this documentary kind of following it. And it's, it's really, really interesting. It's kind of a clash of cultures between 
um, the kind of Chinese owners and the American workers. Um, so the Americans are kind of used to uh, sort of union jobs that are quite well paid and where they you know, have a lot of health and safety protections and, and good benefits and things like that. Obviously, all those jobs have kind of gone away as the manufacturing has, has been outsourced or has just kind of disappeared. Um, so they, they take these jobs at the Chinese factory and it's, it's very kind of not what they expected. So it, it's really interesting. So they, they, they kind of follow, they get really kind of in-depth access. There's sort of no limits. And you see the kind of Chinese owners and the manager, uh, the management um, talking quite frankly. I mean, it's in Mandarin, but obviously translated. Um, but being very kind of frank about the American workers and how they're, they're very slow. They've got fat fingers, so they can't kind of operate the machines as quickly as the Chinese workers and this kind of thing. Um, so it's a really kind of interesting look at the, the two contrasting kind of work cultures, mm. uh, especially when they go to, to China and to visit some of the workers there. And you kind of see they, you know, they don't get weekends. They basically work seven days a week for as long as they have to work every day until they get sent home. Um, and they think of the American workers, or the people that appeared on camera thought of the American workers as being quite spoiled um, and complaining a lot because they um, were being asked to do work that was kind of too dangerous or too unsafe or they weren't being paid enough and that kind of thing. Um, when they, in fact, get sort of two days off a month, mm. you know, they're kind of wondering, well, what's the problem? Um, so it's kind of interesting, but it's also really kind of delves into... Um, kind of unionization as well so it it shows a lot of the workers um, starting a movement to, to have a union recognized in the factory and all the efforts the kind of Chinese owners go to to stop that from happening uh, it's kind of the last thing they want um, and you kind of see how that plays out and the, the the differing sort of approaches of the the older workers and the younger workers and how they think about kind of unions and job safety and things like that um, so really, really interesting kind of look at, at those kind of blue collar jobs and the state of them in you know, 2019. Um, so I would heartily recommend that mm. um, to to anyone. It was a very interesting film and really kind of, in, sort of behind the scene warts and all uh, footage as well. So uh, yeah, really good, really good documentary. Nice. And where can people see that? It is on Netflix. Mm. So, uh, yeah, check that out. There you go, a recommendation from the towny boy. Um, yes, so that, that's our movies for the week then. So, do you have an email to read for us, Paul? I do. I have an email from El Hijo del Scott McAvoy. Subject, Oreos and movies. So, hey, well, I do like an Oreo. Let's have a listen to this. Uh, good evening, Paul. In your continued quest to try all the Oreos flavors, here's a few that I've had. They're really good. Uh, peanut butter pie. Mm, don't know if that one would be for me. I'm not a big peanut butter guy. Uh, apple pie. Now, apple pie could be a good Oreo. Mm. Mm. Uh, Fudge-covered Oreos. Well, we have here the Cadbury's chocolate-covered Oreos, and they are... Mm, 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 mm. Uh, watermelon Oreo. I'm not a huge watermelon guy. But I know a lot of people really do. And one of his favorites. Now, his favorite one does sound good. I am interested in it. Maple cream. That would presumably just be really, really sweet. Um, He picked up the mystery flavor 
this morning because you know the way they do those mystery flavor Oreos. Yeah. Uh, and once I have time to try them, I'll send you a review. And I've unfortunately not had many new Oreos since the last batch. Um, I think the last new ones I got was were the uh, Haskin Bobbins or whatever that ice cream brand is called. Mark Haskins, what is it? Yeah, um, Haskins. Shock- Mark, Mark Robbins. <laughs> the um, chocolate mint ice cream. Ooh, blah, yeah. blah, blah. They were very, very fucking good, I gotta say. And I, I w- one of my favorite ones I had recently, I, I, I was kind of nonchalant on it originally, but the more I think about it, those marshmallow moon ones are really nice. I need to maybe pick up some of them again soon. Um, Anyway, Scott goes on. He says, last week you touched on something during Movie Guff that has been bothering me about horror movies for a while. Ooh. And that is that villains in movies don't need a redemption arc. The scariest bad guys in movies are the ones that you don't know uh, why they're doing what they're doing. Michael, uh, Michael Myers, for instance, just a monster that keeps coming. The strangers answer the quest- to the question, why are you doing this being because you are home? It was chilling. This is the reason why I have no interest in seeing the Joker. Wow. I don't want a backstory. I don't need to feel sorry for the Joker. The Joker is supposed to be a complete sociopath who kills because he has nothing better to do. Not a failed comedian a failed comedian who was bullied as a kid whose mother died when he was young. That removes the mystique behind the Joker. Um Well, I was actually listening to uh Mark Kermode's podcast last week. I don't remember if he was talking specifically about the Joker. He might have been. Um, and he, he he mentioned something. I don't think it was necessarily his point, but it was something that kind of resonated, resonated with me. And that is when it comes to villains, whether it's villains of horror movies or you know villains in general, um, the difference between, um, you know, pitying somebody and yeah. a character being sympathetic, that they're not necessarily yeah. the same, you know? Yeah. Um, whereas, at, like Scott's point, there is a reference to my review of Ma, where they they went out of their way to make the 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 villain like super sympathetic, which to me made no sense and didn't really work. Um, and this was the point that Kermode made was you know you can have a villain who can be you know utterly irredeemable. But you can feel pity for them, you know. Mm. Um, no, Norman Bates being a great example. Absolutely, absolutely. Um, uh, it's 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 kind of feel feeling sorry for them, not necessarily in a in an empathy uh, way, em, emp- empathic way, but mm. in a way of you know, if you have a character, for example, who takes a turn maybe of their own choice and it ends up you know ruining them as as a character i don't mean in the sense of that ruined the film i mean you know in the, in the context of the movie then you can feel pity towards that and that's okay but that's not necessarily what happened in in ma i mean michael myers scott brings up you can feel pity towards the character of michael myers um i don't think you necessarily would in the strangers which is again yeah why the strangers um, kind of works, but then that's a very different type of movie, you know. Um, I haven't yet seen the Joker. Obviously, going to see Joker soon, but um, I won't make any comment about that because I haven't seen it. But uh, I think, yeah, normal Norman Bates was a very good uh, 
example, Joe. Obviously, Psy- Psycho was probably my favorite Hitchcock movie that I've seen. Um, very, very good. Also, yeah, another example where you don't really know the motivations is um, It Follows. Yeah. It's one of the one of the really or but the Babadook as well two of the probably scariest films of, of the last decade yeah I mean It Follows doesn't necessarily have an antagonist though well it's, that's the thing it yeah you, you don't know anything about the I mean in a sense it does but the it, villain essentially yeah, true um, um I suppose but I suppose you can make the same point about the Babadook really um God, those films are great. By the way, if people haven't seen it, Followers or the Babadook yet. <sighs> great modern horrors. Um, and then Scott gives us a pick one for this week, which is where Scott gives us three actors, and we choose which of them have the best filmography. Now, i got to say in advance, I might have to uh, take a step aside on this one, because I'm, I don't ha- I'm not so exposed to the filmographies of these people. Maybe one of them more so than the other three but uh so his pick one for this week is goldie hahn jane fonda and jamie lee curtis Uh, i'm not sure i've ever seen a jane fonda film no i'm I'm thinking i might need to go curtis based on having seen (laughs) movies with her in like alone all right let's have a look jamie i'm gonna rule out straight away jane fonda because i've probably Actually, look, look, what's Jane Fonda been in? Let's have a look. Uh, well, I apart, from, apart from Monster in Law, it's the only one I can think of. <laughs> um, let me have a look. Was Jane Fonda in? Oh God, what have I seen her in? Even. Mm. Yeah, just looking through her filmography now. Not seen any of these, BB. I think I think I've seen one Jane Fonda film, uh, and it's Cat Baloo, which came out in nineteen sixty-five. It's like a, a comedy western. I think that's the only film I've ever seen him in, seen her in, and I really didn't enjoy it at all. Uh, I, I can't say I've ever seen any of those other films. Goldie Hawn. Let's have a look. Yeah, so I would say I've seen a fair few Goldie Horn films, sort of uh, sort of eighties comedies. I don't think um, I have. No, I've never seen any Goldie Horn films. So let's see, Goldie Horn, Private Benjamin, that's a good film where she joins the army. It's really funny. Wildcats, that's a great film where she coaches an American football team. Uh, what else has she been? Bird on a Wire with Mel Gibson, kind of a rom-com action film. That's a good one. Mm. Uh, First Wife's Club is good, and of course she was in one of my one of my uh, favourites, uh, Death Becomes Her with Meryl Streep, which is a film that I really really like. Oh, yeah. Um, so she she's putting out good, good little repertoire. Goldie Hawn. Let's just let's just, let's just check Jamie Lee Curtis. Well, actually, Jamie Lee Curtis has only been in films that I, which I've seen, uh, which I don't like. <laughs> so she was in Halloween. She well, was first Halloween. In, well, she was in Halloween, Halloween two, you don't like Halloween, the first Halloween three. Yeah, I don't like the first Halloween. Okay, I, I think it's really dull. Uh, she was in uh, from up on Poppy Hill, which I didn't like at all. She was in You Again, which was one of those 
films that has a, a cameo by The Rock in it, and it's just horrible. Uh, so yeah, I I've I've never liked the movie that I've seen that starred Jamie Lee Curtis. And that's that's not really a comment on her, but uh, I must say that's that's the truth. So I like she she's been in Trading Places, which is obviously great, mm. and A Fish Called Wanda, which is really good. And she was in uh, the remake of Freaky Friday with Lindsay Lohan, which is uh, obviously brilliant because Lindsay Lohan, young Lindsay Lohan's in it, so it's obviously fantastic. Um, but based on those three, I'm going to go with Goldie Horn. There you go. And she's in Overboard. I forgot about that. Overboard with Kurt Russell, where she uh, has amnesia, which is a really good movie as well. Goldie go. Horn. Aren't they remaking Overboard, or did I? Dream. Yeah, they remade it with What's Her Face. Um, the one out of the scary movie. Anna Faris. Anna Faris, yeah. I think it's very good. Hmm. Any email for yourself, Joe? I do have an email from, from Scott as well. He says, uh, Good evening, Joe. I was listening to a CSP from the past and caught one of the episodes where you and the rest of the crew were suffering through a heat wave where it was in the upper 20s for you. I'm curious. With your wife coming over from America, where temps in the upper 30s are common in the summer, when you're lying on the floor with a fan on because you, on you because of the heat, is she affected as much as you? Or does she look at you like you're off your rocker for thinking it's hot? Um, well, Scott, I think you'll find, although the actual temperature is lower, um, the environment actually makes it feel a lot hotter. Um, because obviously the, everything's built to um, keep things warm here. Yes. Um, you know, we have we don't have air conditioning. We have central heating. We have buildings that are built to keep them warm. You know, double glazing and all that kind of thing. Yeah, we've ha- houses with insulation in the walls. Yeah, incredibly well insulated houses. Just you know, everywhere's everywhere's designed for 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 the cold weather rather than uh, the warmer weather. So it does feel a lot hotter, and also I think kind of humidity as well. It's a very soggy bunch of islands that we live on here. Mm. Um, and when it's when it's very warm, it gets very humid as well. That's that's unbearable. So yeah, Michelle um, wasn't a fan of the hot weather. Um, maybe not as bad as me, but yeah, she didn't. She certainly didn't enjoy it. Uh, even though it wasn't a hundred degrees. Um, Scott also goes on to say, uh, since Paul finished the Haunting of Hill House, which was more thriller than horror show, may I make a recommendation? True, Marianne. It's a French movie that is subtitled, which is nice for us, us ignorant Americans who generally only speak one language. It's a good Halloween season movie as it messes with your mind. I've um, not, not heard of Marianne. Uh, apparently it's a 2019 Netflix oh, okay. movie. If I'm looking at the right one here. Marianne, French. Yeah. Interesting. Um... Scott also has a another pick one for us. This is a wrestling pick one. It's a series, not a film. Uh, today, sorry. Yeah, a wrestling pick one. Okay, a wrestling pick one. He has the Dudley Boys, Adrian Christian, and the Hardy Boys. The clarification is that we are only allowed to count their tag team. Matches, oh, I was going to say because not the singles matches. Um, Otherwise, Adrian Christian. Surely, yeah, obviously. Why am I? Um, this is interesting. It is interesting. Yeah. Well, I mean, ultimately, a lot, a lot of the, their best stuff as tag teams kind of crisscrosses. Mm. Um, 
something I'm trying to think of kind of great man I mean I, th- I think you can kind of rule out Edge and Christian because most of their great matches were singles and most of their best tag matches were with the other two yeah I mean that being said I kind of enjoyed them outside of their matches a lot more than the other two like they're involved in some really good s- skits and comedy bits yeah. Um, the Dudleys I mean the Dudleys outside of the Edge and Christian Hardy's matches were kind of very functional weren't they Um, they of course weren't involved in the excellent No Mercy 1999 ladder match that kind of spawned this whole yeah you know ladder match style that continues to today really Uh, although Dudleys and the Hardys did have that a uh, really great tables match at Royal Rumble 2000. So maybe the Hardys are the ones that actually have the uh, they're the constant in the relationship. And mm. Hardys also had some interesting stuff on uh, the Indies with the Young Bucks and yeah, this and that, which Edward Christian and the Dudleys never really nice did. Um, the Dudleys had obviously a, a, sh- a quite a shortened WWE career. Like uh, the Dudleys. Only really joined WWE in late '99, and they were gone by mid '04. If you mm. remember, they had that horrendous handicap match with the Undertaker at Great American Bash '04, and were kind of, you know, banished until they were eventually released in like what '06 '07. It showed up in TNA's Team 3D, where you know I can't say too many of the Team 3D matches really. Stick yeah. in my mind, apart from that electric cage farce with LAX that one time. Um, and then Edge and Christian, obviously, an equally short run, although they would go on to further heights as kind of single wrestlers and really never reunite in in a in a true sense like the Hardys and the Dudleys did. Yeah. So maybe based on all that, you have to go with the Hardys. Yeah, I do. I'll go for the Hardys. Just just for the, like you say, the table match at Royal Rumble 2000 with the Dudleys uh, and all their kind of indie and uh, Ring of Honor TNA stuff. Yeah, of course, in TNA with uh, Brother Nero and Broken Matt as a team. Brother Nero! Well, it's good that it doesn't count the single stuff because we don't have Willow then. Remember when he was Willow that one time? Uh, is yes, that thanks it? For that. Thanks for that email, Scott. Yes. Very good. So the Hardys. So we pick. Yes, yes, yes. Right. So let's talk about the wrestling this week oh, in yeah. wrestling. Oh, yeah. Uh, been a big one. Been a big week. Joe, how much of the wrestling have you watched? <laughs> um. So I watched AEW Dynamite. Right. And that's it. Okay. I don't watch WWE. <laughs> what have you watched? Okay. I watched AEW Dynamite. I watched WWE NXT. Yeah. And I watched WWE SmackDown. Hmm. Uh, informed. Um well let me tell you, Joe. Three good shows. Good to yep. great. I won't tell you which was which. 
um, which I think each had their own kind of strengths and weaknesses, which were very different from each other. Yep. Uh, which was interesting. Uh, three very smartly booked shows, I think. Yep. I, again, in different ways. Um. And yeah, an in, an enjoyable week. I I can't say that one each you know one out of the three shows uh, was a letdown, really in any in any real sense. I kind of I enjoyed all three shows to differing levels. Um, I think it's quite funny that little baby Raw has just like been kind of forgotten about and left in the dust in the wake of these. <laughs> Like Raw, in a sense, is like the fourth most important show of the week now. Oh yeah, uh, it's quite funny. Um, and then we've held a sale also on Sunday. Jesus. Oh yeah, we'll, we'll do a preview of that. Um, do you want to run us through NXT? Yes. Thoughts first, then we can talk about AEW. Okay. So let me just tell you first of all the order in which I watched the shows, which I I think might have impacted on my opinions in. in you know, in a certain sense. Uh, so first of all, I watched AEW Dynamite as the new kind of shiny show. Uh, and the reason I watched that first, obviously I didn't watch any of these live, for the record, because I was, you know, working and they're all in the middle of the night. Well, you got six jobs, right? Uh, one, yes. Uh, I watched Dynamite first because I didn't want... I, I watched AEW and NXT on the same day after work. And I didn't want to watch NXT first and be kind of burned out a little bit, and then kind of not judge AW fairly based on that. So I watched AW first. Then I watched NXT, and then I watched SmackDown Saturday morning. Um, so, NXT, I think, had the best match of the three shows. Uh, Adam Cole, Matt Riddle. Excellent match, yep. which opened up the, uh, the show, funnily enough. Um, you also had a really great match between Io Shirai and Mia Yim. You had a very good, a surprisingly good match. Johnny Gargano, Shane Thorne. Because I'm not really a Shane Thorne fan, but they had a quite good match. Shayna Baszler, Candice LeRae. A very good women's title match. Pete Dunne, Danny Birch had what I expected would be a very fun, kind of tough style British match. Uh, a little bit of disappointment. A little bit. And then the main event, you had Undisputed Era against the Street Profits in what was also quite good match. Now, the thing with this sounds, NX... Sorry, go ahead. Sounds like a decent show, but was there much kind of newsworthy or sort of... Uh, there was. Unexpected? There was two newsworthy occurrences. Uh, number one, after Adam Cole... Uh, defeated Matt Riddle in their really excellent match. And uh, first of all, the reason why this match was great wasn't because, you know, like on AEW, there were some matches that were very, you know, technically adept. You had, you know, really incredibly choreographed multi-man spots, blah, blah, blah. These lads just were being fucking wild, throwing mad suplexes, but like not even doing it, you know, visibly safely or whatever Adam, you know riddle would just fucking throw adam cole and whoever however he landed fuck it like mm-hmm. and that's what made it exciting and made it really fun uh but after anyway adam cole got the win in that barnstorming match uh finn balor made an appearance and announced that he is now an nxt 
Mm. Quite a surprise. That's interesting. Um, I mean, I quite like the idea. This is one of the things I was mentioning that I think it's kind of smart of them to do is, you know, have people kind of establish names come in and out of NXT because, number one, give a little boost to the brand, right? You have Finn Balor come in, then you go back to Raw or whatever. Uh, Nakamura surely is a name they can bring in and then move back out. Steen, uh, sorry, Kevin Owens, etc., uh, etc., et right? So it gives a little boost to the brand, but also you get guys like, you know, your Matt Riddles, your Keith Lee's mm-hmm. working with these established names and uh, you get these little, like, indie dream matches. So why not? So I'm I'm big in favor of like I you know I don't really see it as demotion anymore. It's not like Finn Balor is being buried. He's sent back to NXT. I mean NXT is a very different beast now that it's like live on USA. So I like that idea. Um. Also, then towards the end of the show, after the undisputed era defended successfully their tag team titles against Street Profits, mm-hmm. Adam Cole came out to celebrate and found himself alone on the stage. And who would come out to confront him after he'd, he's already been co- confronted by Finn Balor, yeah. the returning Tommaso Ciampa. Ooh. Um, Ciampa. So, in a sense, you know, NXT, they definitely went at it like it was a mini takeover. It had three title matches, albeit no title changes. Yeah. Um, two big returns, surprise returns. Um. All your best wrestlers are on there. Johnny Gargano, Io Shirai, Pete Dunne in like non-title matches. Mm. Um, so all enjoyable. Now, there was a negative to it all, though, I must say. Which oh. is that in a you know selfish, uh, self-preservation step, they aired this first show on USA with limited commercial interruption, right? Uh, and there was a like a run over as well. Yeah. Uh, so what that means is, whereas a usual two hour show, AEW for instance, yeah, when you take the commercials out, etc., it'll run for about an hour twenty, hour twenty five. Yeah. yeah. Wow. And without jumping ahead, AEW, fucking snappy, fucking super well paced, breeze to watch. Right. Yeah. This NXT went like. With all that same criteria, two hours ten felt like it fucking went on forever. <laughs> and definitely long as, long as raw. Keep in mind, I've already watched AEW at this stage. Towards the end, I was like, "Jesus, can we like come on? Let's f- finish this up here." It it definitely felt too long. Yeah, right, yeah. Which was a shame because I mean, the street profits against undisputed era. Might have been better than I give it credit for, but I was just so tired of watching it at that stage. Yeah. Same for maybe the Pete Dunne match, although I just don't think the Pete Dunne match was that good. Um, but yeah, like it just kept going and going and going and going. Whereas AEW, as I said, felt very quick, got stuff done in and out, felt very efficient. Uh, NXT was, whereas maybe AEW was you, you know, very. Mm. you know to the point and efficient nxt was me was flabby uh and not that entertaining i mean no, it was a, well, it was a good show like i say the best match yeah. of the entire 
uh, week that I saw was on NXT, but it definitely felt like it was a little bit of quantity over quality. Mm. Um, I don't think there's anything else too important to mention about it. Uh, I don't remember them setting up anything specific for next week. Possibly they did, but I've already it's kind of gone out of my head. How was the commentary? Commentary was fine. I actually don't mind. Who's, that, is it? Who's it? Ronaldo, Ronaldo Beth Phoenix, and McGuinness. Uh, yeah. Beth Phoenix is is very matter of fact. Like she she's not riveting necessarily, but she's not particularly bad. Uh, Ronaldo does come out with the odd thing where you kind of roll your eyes, but I think generally is fine. Um, yeah, I don't think there's too much else to say. I, I mean, I think it's I think it'll be better served when it's an hour twenty properly, you know, with the commercials yeah. taken out. Um, because yeah, I, watching it all, I think it did affect the pacing of the show. So, Joe, why don't you tell us about AEW Dynamite? Ooh, I was very, very excited for this. Um, yeah. I watched the um, the countdown to AEW on TV, uh, AEW Dynamite show on YouTube, mm-hmm. and um, obviously hosted by Tony Schiavone, and he was talking about you know being back on TNT for the first time in uh, eighteen years, and that that actually sent a little shiver up the spine, thinking back to you know watching Nitro and. And especially the final Nitro as well. Mm-hmm. So I was very hyped going in. Uh, stayed off Twitter all day uh, on Thursday. Uh, so I could get home and watch it unspoiled. Um, was expecting it. Of course, we, we spoke about the um, ITV um, kind of announcement and the, the whole sort of thing there with the disappointment. There wasn't going to be shown live or there wasn't going to be shown kind of the next day. Um, that was kind of somewhat resolved in the ITV announced they were going to put it on the ITV hub, which is their streaming service at, at seven o'clock, mm. um, which is perfect. I get home about five to seven. So ideal. Um, got in, turned on ITV hub. Uh, could not find any AEW. Uh, thought, oh, I'll put maybe seven put it up here. Yeah, just, you know, I'll go and get, get changed, get dinner ready, come back in five minutes. Still not on there. Ten past seven, still not on there. Quarter past seven, still not on there. Thought, sod this, I'm going to have to download it. Um, started downloading it, kept checking ITV Hub, still not uploaded. Turns out I didn't actually get uploaded until 10 o'clock on Thursday night. Mm. Um, it's a big, big failure by ITV there. Um, and also, from what I heard, I didn't actually watch the... Um, the hub version, but apparently it was edited really weirdly as well. Oh, really? I didn't even um, know Yeah, and I, I kind of put it on. I didn't watch the whole thing. I watched a couple of minutes just to see what it was like, and it looked to me like they'd edited out the, um, the video package before the opening match, hmm. um, which is really weird. I'm not 100% on that because I didn't watch the whole thing, but that, that seemed to be missing. Um, so anyway, ITV cannot be trusted with anything. This is what this is what we've learned. Um, but on to the actual show. So I did watch the show. Um, I thought it was it was it was a really entertaining show. A really good watch. Um, I thought all the all the matches were solid. Yeah. Um, nothing bad in there. Uh, Pack Page was eh, a little bit underwhelming. Not a bad match, but I wouldn't. You know, given how good Pack is, I would I'd expect maybe something slightly better. 
Uh, and I think the main event um, was decent, but again, kind of having the big angle at the start of the match meant it was never going to be a kind of great match. Um, probably my favourite match of the night was the, the Riho Nyla Rose uh, women's title match. Okay. Which, um, although kind of far from perfect in terms of its execution, I thought told the best story. Had the you know the big woman little woman um, dynamic to it, mm-hmm. and got the crowd really really hot, really really into it. Um, so yeah, I really really liked that match. Um, other kind of notes on it. A little bit disappointed that they didn't have more in the way of the kind of video packages. Because um, I've been watching all the AEW, uh, you know, countdown shows to the various pay-per-views and, and other stuff. And they have really, really good interview packages, really good video packages. You know, the interviews with JR uh, in the build-up to All Out were absolutely fantastic. And I really am a bit confused that they didn't have more than that, more of that on the show. You know, you're trying to build up personalities. It's a brand new show. Yeah. Um, obviously, not a lot of new viewers who haven't seen the pay-per-views or the YouTube shows are going to be on it. They're going to be watching it. Um, I think you really want to introduce all the kind of personalities and the characters and, and, you know, kind of get them excited to see these matches. So I would like to see more of that. Mm. Um, in terms of the commentary, I it was such a breath of fresh air after watching kind of years of WWE shows. You know, although... It, you know, it may not be the perfect lineup, but they just don't spend the entire show talking about something else or selling you something else. You know, talking about sponsors, talking about other USA Network shows, talking about the pay per view, talking about what's coming up on the next show, talking about this and that. And it, it, it's just so tiresome when you listen to WWE commentary, and that's what they're doing for two hours, three hours. Mm-hmm. So this was really refreshing, even if it wasn't kind of perfect. It was, it was great to hear that kind of slightly more. Um, old school commentary where they're talking about the match and talking about the wrestlers uh, focusing on kind of one thing at a time and then moving on. So that was good. Those are the positives. Well, I mean, Negative- one, thing, one thing about the WWE commentary is that it, it definitely feels very produced and very rehearsed, which is, yeah. you know, it's, it, it yeah. sounds fake, essentially. It sounds like video game commentary yeah. whenever I listen to that, which you, you certainly wouldn't. Think that about this. Yeah, I thought Shivani in particular was very good. He was a very good addition. Um, JR's fine, and um, <laughs> there was one bit that made me laugh where Shivani. I, I don't do a great Shivani, but Shivani goes, uh, you know, back back on uh, Nitro, the the very first Nitro, the first match was uh, what did he say, Liger against Brad Pillman. And Jim Ross goes, yeah, well, quite frankly, they're uh, Shivani. Uh, I remember back in WCW, uh, we had a great you know, lager against uh, Pillman in, in 91-92. Now, I understand, I understand that, you know, Shivani was talking specifically about Nitro and that. Yeah. But I thought it was quite funny that Jim Ross went, well, back in WCW, which is what Nitro is anyway. Um, and also, Jim Ross did the old... And to be fair, didn't do it too much. But I think it was like the first match. Of, well, he he didn't do a very good cover there. He didn't put both his shoulders down, and hooked the far leg. Yeah, he did that in the Nyla Rose match as well. <laughs> to a proper cover, he said exactly the same thing. Yeah, oh, that was a funny. He's a funny one. Ah, Jim, we love Jim. Ah, good old Jim. Um, so that was good. Negatives were that obviously avoided um, spoilers, just in case there were any sort of surprise. 
uh, debuts, uh, and there was um, Jack Swagger debuted. Yeah. Uh, in the main event, that was a uh, well. I'm not quite sure what to say about that. Well, to be fair, okay. Go on. I like that they kind of uh, portrayed him as, or at least the con commentary, undefeated Bellator MMA fighter Jake Hager. Yeah. Now, we know who he is, but they kind of said, look, this is who this guy is, rather than, you know, WWE cast-off geek Jack Swagger. Mm. I agree, though. They want to be very careful about this because they have a couple of people now that definitely have the stink of WWE jobber on them. This lad, yeah, you get a big old whiff of um, TNA from this kind of thing. Yes, and they do not want that. Now I understand that there's maybe a feeling of oh, this guy wasn't used right by WWE or whatever. But they, you want to be careful who you hit your wagon to. I tell you, the feeling I get is Chavo Guerrero is only a month away. (laughs) You know. Um, Because there are people legitimately that, you know, people feel like they don't get used right. Like if, let's say, hypothetically, obviously it it hasn't happened and it won't happen. Let's say hypothetically, uh, Luke Harper never came back on WWE and debuted here. Mm. That would be something because people feel, oh, this guy is great and this guy didn't get used right. No one's thinking Jack Swagger is (laughs) great. You know? Even less people are thinking... Ty Dillinger was great. He didn't just didn't get used right. No, they're kind of rubbish. That's the thing. And Swagger did get, you know, he got he had a world title run. He was a shit one, but it was, you know, yeah, he was there with with the likes of Luke Harper. They never really got that big push. So it's not like they, uh, you know, got the push and failed. Yeah, they just never really got it. So I think that's fine. But then, yeah, when you bring in, you know, the Damien Sandals of the world, um. It, it, it just kind of brings everything down to me. It's funny because I think there are names that they could have brought in for the first, you know, TNT show that mm. they kind of burned already on their their previous shows. Like maybe to bring in LAX on this one. It's funny because they yeah. actually had uh, promoted it as Chris Jericho and two mystery partners. There was no real need to bring out LAX on the last pay-per-view show you mm. could have had this be the mystery partners and it dropped lax that would have been a, a big talking point okay maybe they're not well known as stars in the wwe sphere but it would be you know it would be buzz um or you know even with someone like okay fair enough the john moxley injury was unavoidable but if they could keep pack as like had, had not debuted yet because remember that mm-hmm. whole controversy with him not being on the show or whatever yeah. have him debut on this and that that's a thing because he's a good guy or he didn't get used right for WWE. but yeah to 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 close off with like swagger or hager um looking and th- it was very funny like as the show went off the air was him uh kind of like deer in the headlights not knowing where to look exactly into which camera and then went off the air it was a little bit of a uh, Although I do like the idea of Jericho's little faction with uh, LAX, Sammy Guevara, and Swagger. Yeah. Um, but I agree that it when I when I saw that that was the end, I was, I was as well a little bit like, oh. Yeah. I think uh, the other negative for me of this show was 
Um, instead of storylines, they had beatdowns. Um, a lot of beatdowns. A lot of beatdowns, um, which kind of you know certainly works to a degree. But I think three big beatdowns on one show, uh, and on a show that doesn't really have any other kind of backstage promos or or, or you know in ring promos or other kind of storylines, uh, it kind of wears wears you down a bit. Right. I also have a couple of positives and negatives about the show. So positive, right? I really like their stage. Um, with the kind of light chandelier thing they have in the center. The chandelier. Kind of whatever that gimmick is. The SpongeBob, is it? Le chandelier. Um, because it's not just a video screen. And when I see that stage, I immediately go, AEW. Yeah. Like, it has a very, not super fancy, but it has a very specific look that you can instantly recognize as, as AEW. Mm. Um, Kind of like, ironically, TNA used to have when they had their kind of circular entrance way. Very simple, but you recognize oh, that's TNA. Um, negative. <laughs> um, oh, God, what was I going to say? Oh, the, uh, the big celebrities they had in the crowd. You know, this is the first big show. You're going to have cool fucking celebrities. I don't know. Who, some some movie star, maybe even like a, a really really cool YouTuber that you know the young kids and, and oh, teenagers love. I don't. Know, we hate them, but somebody, uh, Kevin Smith and Jason Mewes, were in the crowd, and were involved in one of the worst little segments of the week, where private party kind of eked their way across in front of people to save Kevin Smith from, you know a tongue lashing at the hands of Jack Evans. <laughs> Garbage. Yeah. That came off as rinky-dink and was rubbish. It did. I mean, to be fair, it was, I guess, because Jericho's in the movie. I know. But you're right. Do that on the pre-show, lads. <laughs> Don't have that on your thing. That was a bit rubbish. And then they just had Private Party little skirt their way out again. What were they doing there? Mm. I don't know. Uh, the SCU thing, I also didn't think was great. Um, but yeah, like I said, one of the one of the m- things that I was most uh, enjoyed about the show was the the pacing of it. I thought it was a very easy watch, and that's very important. Yeah. You know. Yeah. Uh, I liked the Moxley appearance towards the end as well, yeah. although. The main event itself went like, what, two and a half minutes until the Moxie run in? So it didn't really ever feel like a match. It felt just more like a, an angle or a segment. Mm. There wasn't much of a match to it. Um, and one thing I like about AEW as well is that it has a, a certain core of people who who feel important in the context of the show. Um, whereas NXT, although NXT is a very fun show... Uh, because it because it is ultimately the developmental, a lot of people on it don't necessarily feel important in the sense mm. of like a star, you know. Yeah. Um, I kind of want to avoid using star as the uh, the measuring stick because ultimately, what is a star? What is not a star? I don't know. But on AEW, you definitely have people like Omega, Jericho. I would even say Cody, um, Pac, who feel 
like important characters in the kind of ecosystem of AEW. Um, and it's very important that they've they've established this like show one. Um, so that was good that you have people who already feel like okay, these are like the the four or five most important people. I need to pay attention to them. They're 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 the stars of the show, you know. Yeah. And even guys like LAX, I mean Young Bucks, obviously, LAX, um, MJF, Sammy Guevara, all feel like already that kind of second tier. And I mean, in a good way, they feel like they're 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 all important as well. Although just underneath the top talents, so yeah. they they're doing a good job of of making these people feel uh, feel important, feel like you should watch them and be interested in them. Which is one thing that people always say about like the classic attitude errors. Everyone felt kind of important to varying levels, and mm-hmm. that's something that AEW, if they can get a hook in that same feeling, they'll be doing you know good work. Um. Show it AEW. Any any other yeah. thoughts on it? No. Um, obviously, the the ratings were highly anticipated the next day. Yeah. And um, I don't know what you're expecting, but I, 1.4 million um, for Dynamite, I thought was huge. I was thinking okay, a million would be good. Yeah. 1.4 million to NXT's 890,000. Yeah. Um, really, really good debut for them. Kind of hopefully, hopefully that maintains, even if it doesn't reach that height. I think even if it drops down to kind of around a million, that's still pretty good. So it is a good omen going yeah. forward. Absolutely. Um, do you want to talk about? And I don't know if you saw the statement WWE put out. <laughs> I did. Congratulations them. to AEW. God, that was that, that was hilariously uh, passive aggressive. What was? <laughs> What was that statement they put? Uh, oh, yeah, when Punk signed to UFC, they put out a statement congratulating him on on signing to UFC or something like, something like that. Right. Something, yeah. It's very weird. Very weird place. Um, so that, that was Wednesday night. Yeah. Uh, so then on Friday, we had the, um, the debut of SmackDown on Fox. Yeah. On network television. So you, you watched this show, Paul? I did. You want to take us through it? Yeah, this was like the best show of the week. What? <laughs> uh, understandably, this was kind of the Fox premiere. So in a sense, it was... Fun. Mm. It felt bigger than most of the pay-per-views they do. It, it, it was just packed with like important stuff. But yeah, th- I think I enjoy this more than AEW and NXT. Um let me tell you why. So, first of all, for years, uh, WWE have had these really bland stages. And one thing I talked about with AEW is I really like their stage setup. Yeah. Uh, the stage setup of SmackDown is, in, to me, is, 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 is really, really, you know, eye-poppingly great. Because um, it's not just a video wall. They have, uh, like, physical... 3D-ness to it, which is something that WWE has lacked in for the longest time. Um, I don't know if you can Google quickly uh, a picture of it, but uh, when I saw that yeah, stage, I was like, oh my god, this is like a fucking pay-per-view stage from the golden era. <laughs> um, I, I thought it looked super cool. <laughs> um, and yeah, that's one thing that's important, is you want your show to look cool and interesting. And for so long, they just had those boring video walls. 
So I, I like to see a, a little bit of not like props, but a little bit a little bit of uh, construction to the site to have have it be be something more than just a video wall. Yeah. Um. So really, really a fan of that. They kicked off the show in the the best way possible, right? Becky Lynch comes down. She's she's the first person there, right? So yeah, everyone likes Becky Lynch. Then Baron Corbin comes out, right? Everyone hates Baron Corbin. Um, <laughs> and then old 38, 39 movies all watched by Paul Griffin, The Rock, Dwayne Johnson come out. <laughs> so in terms of like <laughs> smart booking, which I've talked about for all three shows, like how are we going to start off this Smackdown uh Get people like calling their friends, telling them to turn it on, right? Uh, get the person people like the most, and the per- person people like the least, and The Rock. <laughs> and do a segment with them, and they did, and it was funny. Uh, I think all three of them came off well and came off like funny. Even Corbin had like mm. funny lines. Becky Lynch came off super well. The Rock, I, n- I know lately, I say lately, but like let's say since 20. 20- <laughs> 12 or whatever he come back the rock can sometimes it's, it's always great when he's there but he can sometimes be a little hit and miss uh the rock was great here funny everything about this segment was a, a complete success uh, especially corbin now i remember and long-term listeners can back me up on this back when he debuted on nxt i said this corbin guy has got something about him this guy <laughs> has a presence this guy has a charisma this guy's gonna be somebody and here I am validated on the first Fox show when he's there in his little in his little crown and his little cape, his little king cape with the rock. Ah, very, very funny. Very, very good. Um, what happened then is uh, obviously Becky uh, punched Corbin on the gin. The rock punched him. They lay him out. People's elbow. Rock bottom. Bada boom. Everyone happy. Very good. Um, we then have the first match of this era is Becky Lynch and Shara Flair against Bailey and Sasha Banks, the four women, mm-hmm. uh, the four horse women of WWE who started the women's revolution. Uh, they had a fun little tag match. They got all the big spots in, big moonsault off the top, etc., uh, etc. Et uh, Charlotte gets the submission over Bailey, setting up their title match at Hell in a Cell. Uh, you had a ringside, so keep in mind this, right? AEW ringside, uh, Kevin Smith, a man. Now I'm not having a go here, Kevin Smith. Barely relevant <laughs> in 2019. Uh, I think that's kind. No one, no one in their right mind in 2019 cares about Kevin Smith. Okay, I'm sorry if you listen. Does he still do a podcast? I don't even know. Um, <laughs> SmackDown ringside, right? <laughs> Kurt Angle, Mick Foley. Tyson Fury, boxing superstar. Fair enough. Don't talk about what he thinks about the gays and that. But Tyson Fury, very famous boxing man. So again, makes the show feel more important, right? Seth Rollins and Nakamura have a champion versus champion match, uh, which ended without a winner when Bray Wyatt uh, appeared for a um, little, what's it called? Firefly segment whatever the thing is called yeah, and the fiend made an appearance and let, let me tell you 
I haven't watched Raw or SmackDown. Uh, but Bray Wyatt is the most over guy on the entire show these days. <laughs> that that whole Fiend thing, people are loving it. And to be fair, I think it's, it's very well done. And he's done a very good job, Bray Wyatt, of being the most boring, uninteresting character in WWE. Turned it around. He's a, he's a, a real Chris Jericho, so he is. He's reinvented himself, and it's working. So he attacked Rollins, hit the, put him in the mandible claw, threw him off the stage. And I like what happens when, when, when he starts coming. Uh, <laughs> okay, don't picture Bray Wyatt ejaculating. That's not what I meant. Oh, when the Fiend is going to appear, mm. uh, rather than the lights all going off like Undertaker or Sabu or someone, <laughs> what happens is you get like, <coughs> and some of the lights will go off. And some lights over here will go off. And you go, oh shit! The fiend's coming! And the lights you know, sequentially start going off. And then you have this like beat. <laughs> and then once he makes attack, you have this kind of horror style music. And then you have the fiend kind of laughing. In the... It's very well put together. It's a very, very good uh, presentation. And I am, for one, someone who, I tell you, like yourself, Joe, you couldn't have paid me. You couldn't pay me to give a shit about Bray Wyatt. But. Here in October 2019, he is reinvigorated and is again an interesting character. So good job to them. Uh, Kevin Owens and Shane McMahon had a ladder match, a loser leaves town ladder match, which um, you know felt like a greatest hits of spots. Shane did the elbow drop off the top to the table, the coast to coast, kicked the ladder. Uh, Owens did a frog splash across a ladder bridge. Onto Shane to the outside. Uh, in the end, Owens did it. He powerbombed Shane off a ladder onto another ladder, which is kind of, you know, put across the uh, the the corner of the ring there, and grabbed the briefcase for the win. And then after the match, hit him with a stutter. So it's a fun little ladder match. Uh, you had a an eight man tag match, which was essentially just a setup for Braun Strowman and Tyson Fury to have their little. Uh, Argument, I don't know if you've seen about this, mm-hmm. Joe. Um, uh, I didn't actually see the clip. But. They're very obviously leading to some kind of Fury Strowman mm. angle or match. But uh, it got, again, it got over, and uh, what happened was Strowman kind of was taunting Fury on the outside, and then Ziggler jumped Strowman, and Strowman kind of got you know in control and, and threw Ziggler into Fury. Mm. And Fury wasn't happy. He got up, come over the barrier, and security were separated. It was a pretty good angle that got you know a good reaction. Um, Roman Reigns and Eric Rowan had lumberjack match, which to be honest sounds rubbish, but it was actually all right. And um, uh, Reigns won with a, with a spear, and himself and Daniel Bryan are going to face Eric Rowan and Luke Harper at the pay per view. Um, but yeah, it was a fun little lumberjack match. Maybe it's just that I've not watched SmackDown so long that I'm not kind of jaded and burnt out by it, but I thought it was a fun little lumberjack match. And then the main event, Brock Lesnar, Kofi Kingston. Uh, Brock beat him with one move, F5. Uh, it reminded me a lot of the CM Punk, since you mentioned it, that first CM Punk fight, the CM Punk-Mickey Gall fight, mm. where Punk kind of without a clue in the world head up 
no footwork at all, basically <laughs> ran right into a takedown for Mickey Gall. Kingston, at the start of this match, runs at Lesnar, jumps up at him, and Lesnar catches him on his shoulders and hits him with an F5 for the pin. And okay. becomes the new WWE champion. So, obviously, now that it's on Fox, they have the big star, big name as a champion again. Uh, yeah. Rey Mysterio's music hit. Now, for context, Brock Lesnar on Raw, if you weren't aware, beat up Rey Mysterio and his son, Dominic, uh, threw Dominic into the uh, ring post, gave him big suplexes and that. So, after the match, Rey Mysterio's music hit, and out comes Rey Mysterio and Dominic. Only that's not Dominic. It's former what? UFC heavyweight champion, Cain Velasquez. Joe, if you could give us the old 1997 bad blood line. That's gotta be Kane. It was Kane. Now, I didn't realize this. I thought it was Dominic. <laughs> uh, because Dominic is about as tall as Kane Velasquez, i.e., a foot and a half taller than Rey Mysterio. Um, and it was only when, when we got a, a closer little shot. I'm like, wait a minute. Daddy, no Dominic. Yes, Kane. So Cain Velasquez come out. Uh, a good three quarters of the audience had no idea who he was. Um, which doesn't say he got a bad reaction. He did get a good reaction, but he, people didn't know who this fellow was. Um, for context, right? Cain Velasquez and Brock Lesnar had their UFC fight uh, nine years ago. Nine years ago? Uh, it was 24th of October, 2010. Right? But I think on commentary, they did a very good job of getting over. Very simply. Because this lad comes out with Rey Mysterio, and Brock Lesnar has a look of frightenedness on his face. Okay? Mm. And I think it was uh, um, Corey Graves who goes, Lesnar's seen a ghost! This came Velasquez, the man who beat Lesnar for the UFC title! Now that's important because, of course, one thing they always use to get Brock over is that he was a UFC champion. So all you need in one line to get this guy over is, you remember that Brock was a UFC champion? This is the guy who beat him for that. In a UFC fight. So they obviously know this guy's a tough guy. This guy's a, 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 a badass, right? So he comes out. Brock looking all frightened in that. Brock charges Kane. Kane takes him down and starts throwing the old ground and pound. Looking, Grand Powder looks better than any ground and pound ever thrown by a wrestler. Uh, and then Lesnar makes a beeline and, and takes a powder, as they say in the biz, and goes for a little run up the ramp. Um, and that was the, the closing of the show. So um, to compare and contrast with AEW, right, you've had two MMA stars uh, debut on their respective uh you know, products. Mm. One who is a former WWE wrestler and a stinky one at that. And one who is the lad who beat Brock Lesnar. And so, although, you know, wrestling fans won't necessarily be familiar with him, you have kind of a built-in storyline there that people will get because of how often that's used to, you know, get Brock Lesnar over. And apparently that's going to be happening at the Crown Jewel Saudi Arabia show. And to be honest, I wouldn't... um be surprised if they also did a, something with Tyson Fury and Braun Strowman at that show. 
But Velasquez, if you haven't seen the clip in AAA, does quite a good Hurricane Rana as well. Uh, although, if he's having a match with Brock Lesnar of any kind, I am going to assume that's going to be done as an MMA-style match, and he's not going to do uh, a Dragon Rana on Brock Lesnar. Mm, well. But it was another good angle, and more importantly, and I think all three shows nail this to various degrees, it was a surprise. And I'm always a fan of surprises in wrestling. Yeah. That's why wrestling at, at its best is unpredictable. And this week, there was a lot of that. Finn Balor on NXT? <laughs> Kevin Smith in the crowd? <laughs> Wearing the same jacket he had when he was fat? <laughs> oh, by the way, let me tell you a little side story, right? So, I met my brother at work for lunch on Thursday, right? I started work at 7 in the morning, but he was on a later shift. He had already he only started work at 10. So he had stayed up to watch AEW, right? I hadn't watched it yet at this point. I didn't know anything about it. He says to me, can I tell you one thing about it? It's not really a spoiler. I say, as long as it's not a spoiler, you can tell me. He goes, uh, there, was, <laughs> there was someone in the crowd, kind of a celebrity, um, and it, it kind of came off as rinky-dink. Try and guess who it was. Um, so we kind of did like an impromptu 20 questions, right? And the clues that I kind of worked out were like, it's it's like an actor, a comedian, someone who was maybe more relevant in the 90s than now. Yeah. Someone whose films, by the way, I've, I've never seen. I've never seen anything he's ever done. And I even got as far, like within, I, I did get it in the end, but I would say five minutes from getting it, I had worked out that the first name was Kevin, and I still couldn't get who it was. Um, and then finally I worked, oh, Kevin Smith, okay, oh, I would never have got that. I swear to God, one minute later I was calling him Kevin James again. <laughs> I was like, I can't believe Kevin James was an AEW. No, that other unfunny fat man. Kevin Smith. No, I know he's all weird looking. You're right. Yeah. Maybe he did a two and a half kilometer jog. Uh, he has sh- the old Bernie Sanders. <laughs> yeah, so I believe. That's a, a jog. So actually, again, like AEW, very f- quick paced. Every match was good. The opening segment was great. As a former UFC fan, former. Uh, I really liked the main event segment as well with Kane. I thought it was, oh my god, Kane Velasquez, ah, he did that wrestling twice in AAA. Um, AEW, really enjoyed as well. And NXT, best match of the entire three with Adam Cole Merrill. So, a successful week, am I going to say. But this week's not over, Joe. Because mm. Hell in the Cell is on over. Sunday. Do we say it's over? What's the hell in the cell? Do you mean the pay-per-view? We do mean the pay-per-view. We do. Um, there, are on, this card. there are only four matches announced for it. Perfect. Because everything was made for SmackDown. <laughs> so they, they, they put all their attention to SmackDown and didn't put any attention on the pay-per-view. Uh, so you have four matches. I'll go through them. You have for the SmackDown women's title, Bailey and Charlotte Flair, which... They only made mm. on SmackDown. 
You have Daniel Bryan and Roman Reigns against Eric Rowan and Luke Harper in a tag team match. <laughs> Becky Lynch, Sasha Banks for the Raw Women's Championship, and that is in a Hell in a Cell. And I don't mean the pay per view. And you have Seth Rollins against The Fiend in a Hell in a Cell match for the Universal Championship. Now, if Seth Rollins wins, they are idiots. That's all I'm going to say. Um, yeah, he's rubbish. He's a bit rubbish. Um, I don't know. I mean, WWE have a real tendency to not strike when the iron is hot. Mm. The Fiend is super over now. Now is the time to put the belt on him. Don't wait. Don't do a stupid finish and go, well, we can keep the belt on Rollins and give him the belt at Saudi Arabia or something. No. Put the fucking belt on him now. Do it now. <laughs> so there you go. So what do we what do we learn from this week, Joe? Is I'm going to for let's say for a month we'll do an experiment. I'm gonna try and watch AW NXT and SmackDown every week. Oh god. Okay. Yeah. Um until I can do it no more. <laughs> And what I'd be interested to see is because, like, if I was to go best to worst, if I was to do a ranking in the week, I would go SmackDown number one. SmackDown was what I enjoyed the most. Uh, then AEW, then NXT. I'd be interested to see, based on how things go, which would be the one that i give up watching the first. <laughs> and, you know, I can see eventually just whittling down to one show a week. Um... Which would be the one that would last? Maybe AEW. Maybe not AEW. Maybe SmackDown. We don't know. Because people will remember, I at one point stopped watching NXT and started watching SmackDown. And then stopped watching SmackDown and started watching NXT again. So these shows kind of get good and get bad uh, in waves. You know? Um, So there you go. So anything else we have to say? Before we close it up, um, no, been a good good week of wrestling. Yes, it has. Uh, I'll be watching AEW next week. Still, in, in, can't be bothered with WWE. I'll be honest. Uh, even with the improvements and whatever, I'm just I don't enjoy their their style, their presentation of uh, professional wrestling. That's perfectly fine, as it currently stands. Well, this is one thing that that's interesting, right? And this was before I had even considered watching SmackDown because that was just really a uh, excuse me <coughs> that was uh, kind of a spur of the moment Saturday morning thing. And one thing I was thinking between AEW and SmackDown or AEW and NXT, and it kind of turned out not to be the case. But I was like, you know, you have two very different styles, right? AEW because it's new and shiny definitely has a feel of anything can happen. Insofar as, you know, they're still kind of getting set up. You don't know who's going to appear, who's not going to appear. But there's there's also a, a, a kind of feeling of they're learning as they go. Mm. Whereas NXT is very organized, very professional. Which, yeah, when it comes to commentary, etc. And generally the feel of the WWE product can come off as kind of overly produced, overly rehearsed. But you know what you're getting with that as well. Whereas AEW, 
maybe the highs will be higher, but you know, sometimes you get Jim Ross talking about pinfalls and Kevin Smith in the crowd, you know? Yeah. There's going to be a little bit, I would say a little bit more variety in maybe the AW show in, in terms it's, of quality. It's what you're saying about unpredictability and surprises. Okay. Everything with AEW is unpredictable because they haven't spent the last 10 years being on TV every single week, establishing all these kind of, tropes and standards that they they weed out exactly less of the jack swaggers though they can have one it's like the no homers club you'll have one jack swagger see what i would like aw to do is let's say for the first year is lean on these established stars um and not only wrestlers but i'm talking about like you know jim ross earl hepner etc for like the first year and then once you're established as aw and 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 that has its own kind of identity fucking get rid of all them people yep ross hebner swagger dillinger although he's cody's mate fucking just get rid of them all you don't need them anymore um because i like the idea of you know people obviously are gonna when they turn on go jim ross is fucking calling this thing remember jim ross he's like the best commentator um, but after a year, you don't need him anymore. Because ultimately, as much as you like Jim Ross, and you know, Jim Ross can be kind of up up and down on these shows, I think it's fair to say that Jim Ross is not what Jim Ross once was. Even on his best day. Um, so I would say after a year, you can kind of get rid of them. So there you go. There's your wrestling review. That's it for that for this week. Mm. Uh, thanks for joining me, Paul. Thanks for joining me, Joe. You're welcome. Um, we'll be back next week for our 450th episode. Yeah. Can you believe it? 450 episodes. It's crazy. Um, uh, Barry will be back, or else. Uh, and we will also be joined by our good friend Scott McAvoy, I assume, who will be providing us, furnishing us with a uh, quiz of what we've said and done over the last 50 episodes. Yeah. I assume we won't remember any of it, but we'll we'll do it anyway. Uh, Which one of us said, uh, ooh, that's a dick and a tit. It's Barry! Barry, yeah. Yeah, we'll remember that. Oh, um, also, I bought a new mouse in LifeGuff. You, why did you say that to the end? Bonus LifeGuff. This is like Jack Swagger's debuting. <laughs> <laughs> the old mouse buying story. The old mouse, computer mouse, uh, stopped, oh, stopped working, so I had to buy a new one. Logitech. My God. Ah, classic Logitech. Can't go wrong with the Logitech. Can yeah. You? <laughs> um, so thanks for joining me. Thanks for joining us. Um, oh, I bought some stop. jeans as well. Oh, fucking hell, it's coming out with the jeans. I bought two pairs of jeans today. They're real nice and comfy. Ah, oh, jeans and a mouse. Okay. Chairshotpod. Twitter.com slash chairshotpod. Yeah. That is the Twitter account. Chairshotpodcast.com is the website. You can follow us individually. Griff Tannen, Paul Griffin, CSP. And uh, Barry Ladd tweets, I think it is. <laughs> it used to be about six years ago. Oh, the Barry Ladd? Mm-mm. That's the one. Is that one okay? The, sure can find at it. the just, Barry just, Lad. Just check the hottest viral tweets, and you'll you'll see yeah. Barry popping up. If you search um, Barry and then search at Johnny Gargano, you'll probably find. It. 
Um, so all that remains to be said is uh, goodbye from me and goodbye from Paul. Goodbye. Have a great week and we will see you next time.